everybody. My name is Rowan Two Sisters. I'm a licensed midwife here in Houston, Texas. Um, one third of the brand Preggers Can Be Choosers. And today I'm talking to Deshaun. <coughs> Deshaun, introduce yourself while I cough over here. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm Deshaun. Go ahead and get that cough out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Deshaun Desrosi as I'm a doula, um, childbirth educator, and a student midwife here in Houston. Um, my business name is Harmonious Birthing, and yeah, that's it. Okay, good. All right, what do you want to talk about today? Okay, so I have a lot of burning questions about Medicaid. <clears throat> um, and so, like, in the past, like, two weeks, I don't know what's just kind of come over my mind. I'm just like, oh, I want to change the world. I want to change, like, I want to make all these bills and laws and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in my head, but well, that article came out. That article is getting a lot of traction about if you're, um, you know, pregnant and uninsured in Texas, what are you going to do? Okay, so I, th I think that's stirring up a lot of things for a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of different emotions, and yeah, yeah, you're right. A lot of different emotions. So now this is only like half of my. This what I'm about to ask you right now is just Medicaid side. I still have like a whole nother theory on insurance and why isn't insurance covering um like birth centers and stuff like that especially if medicaid can have birth centers because i am paying all this money to my insurance and you're telling me no like that's a whole different that's for another day but um so i know that you work at a you work at the birth center that's a very high volume like it's it's a medicaid birth center right so I want to ask you, okay, first question I have written down is what is it like being, um, like what are your advantages and your disadvantages of working at like a, a Medicaid birth center personally? Okay. Um, well, you know, did you see the um, chat I did with Malia? Did you watch uh, yeah. that one? The re yeah, the recent one. Yeah. yeah okay. I think I, I probably didn't, I think I didn't watch it like the last 10 minutes, but that was it. But you saw us talking about how she works at the Addis, which is right, a very, right. you know, affluent and mostly white people birth center. Right. And then here I am, for those of us who can't see us, um, I'm about as white as you can be, mm -hmm. rainbow uh, white over here. And I work at the birth center where most of the population is um, black or Hispanic or indigenous. So um, for me, like in my heart, what the advantage is to working at the birth center is that for me, birth centers make midwifery scalable. And I didn't learn that, um, you know, I didn't come up with that myself. Like I kind of knew that, but I didn't have words for it. But working at the Medicaid birth center, it's scalable. And so that means I don't have to drag my stuff from house to house to house. I can have three people in labor at the same time. And as long as I have enough assistance, like we're good to go. We're good to okay. go. And so it makes it accessible. You know? And some people, especially folks who are on Medicaid, may not have a house that is safe to have a baby and they might have rats, they might have roaches, they might have too many people living in one space so that they don't have a place to quietly labor. You know, they might mm -hmm. not be supported, they might not have food, they might not want a bunch of want a bunch of white people or people that they don't know in their space. You know, that might not be mm -hmm. culturally down. So um, for me, working at a Medicaid birth center means that birth centers, that that birth center makes midwifery care um, like community midwifery care available to folks who maybe wouldn't have that option otherwise. And okay. for me personally, this is the way that I can make the biggest difference in the mortality 
the um, disparage the um, disparity in um, black and indigenous and people of color mortality. So that's okay. so that's why it's it's in my heart. The thing about Medicaid, um, and I learned a lot of this from going to AABC. Shout out to AABC, which is the American Association of Birth Centers, American okay. Association yeah, of Birth Centers, um, which I went to last um, fall. And they have a workshop on how to open up a birth center. I was just talking about that to someone. I know what you're talking about. You know, and that's not a cheap workshop, but it is absolutely gold. That is the birth, that's the workshop you go to so that they can stumble and make all the, you know, they can help you tighten up your learning curve, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I did that with my sister. And I'm really grateful that um, my sister um, and I could put the money together because we went into, it was in Orlando. And so we were able to stay with my dad. My dad's totally subsidized this stuff. Like, you know, he, we drove his car, like we had to pay for valet, which was $40 a day, by the way. Oh my God, to park this car. But, um, you know, like my dad fed us, we stayed at his house and, you know, cause it was in, we're in the town where my dad's at. So, um, because it was probably the most expensive conference I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, but it was gold because that's how you open up a birth center is by doing, in my opinion, this workshop and joining this organization. Um, and when they said that having a birth center makes midwifery scalable, I was like, right on, because I don't want to be so tired that I forgot to bring something important to somebody's house because I'm doing my third birth in three days, you know, I want to mm -hmm. be able to go lay down, take a little nap and then open up the, you know, the nightstand and have all my stuff right there because I'm in a birth center and I, you know, I have a comfort and ease of working right where mm -hmm. I am. So. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Coming back from our break, but we've got more to say. Okay, that's that's a pretty good way of looking at it. Because to be honest, I mean, before you said any of that stuff, I am in my head, you know, I'm thinking like, man, it seems really daunting. Like, because you know, I know that birth center is like high volume. So when I'm thinking, okay, like all these births a day, I'm thinking like, okay, you're probably burnt out. Like, but I'm not, also not thinking like you have all these assistants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can get burnout. You can get burnout, right? Like that's for sure a thing, but I'm not driving someplace tired and, you know, cause when you're exhausted, you make worse choices than when you're drunk. So, right. you know, one of the things about the birth center that I work at is that there's a place for us to rest. You mm -hmm. know, I can go and lay down um, in one of the side rooms or whatever, cause I have enough assistants working with me and stuff. And there've been plenty of times that I've been as a student or yeah, as a student where one of the deals was you had to have a place for the midwives to like rest and sit. And then all these unintended family members show up and sit everywhere. Like, so that I'm like trying to prep a line so I can give an IV for, for somebody who's GBS positive. This actually happened. And we're like trying to get the bag going and like, you know, putting the medication and, you know, for a hepatitis mm -hmm. or um, they were a GBS positive. And like, there was no place to sit. I was doing it in the kitchen and the family's like trying to eat chicken fingers where I'm like trying to make this and like, it just was bananas. I'm like, I can't, we have to have a place to sit and rest so I can make good decisions, especially mm -hmm. if it's a long birth. And at the birth center, I'm assured that that's going to be there because it's my area and I've designed it. And it's more structured. It seems like you're, you're more confident. You're more, you, you like the structure more. Like when a house, with the house, it's like, okay, you might do one home visit, but mm -hmm. yeah, you don't really know what you're walking into all the time. So yeah, and I don't want to be controlling, but maybe, you know, like I had to have a chat with myself. Where do I do my best work? Mm -hmm. You know, and I thought for sure that would be in people's houses where it's comfortable, it's chill. 
but it's not. I get like real terrible. I'm like, quit getting in my way. I need to get this stuff, you know. And right, so, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in in Texas, I don't know how it is in other states, but I think in Texas, a uh, CPM um, can open up a birth center in, C- in Texas, right? That's true. Okay. But if say I'm say I'm CPM, I got my license today, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. I open up a birth center. Would I be able to take Medicaid, or would I need a CNM to like? Okay, so under her, like okay. have my COVID under her, whatever. So the best way, in my opinion, is that you want your birth center. And so there's two ways, there's two chunks of money that happen when somebody pays you when they have a baby. So one is the facility fee, kind of like the hospital will get paid the facility fee, and then the provider fee, which would be the doctor, right? So like a lot of people, when they have babies, they're surprised. All these different bills start coming in. You know, one's from the anesthesiologist, one's from the hospital, right. one's from the, you know, the person, the obstetric, the OB. So it's a good idea to have the birth center and the provider be two different businesses because insurance companies and Medicaid like to, and Medicaid is privatized now. So like it'd be like Blue Cross or um, United Health or different ones. And my sister knows these a little bit better than I do, but they like to say like, let's say that the birth center is um, the Sean's birth center, right? So they'll say like, oh, we already paid Deshaun's. We're like, no, you already paid the birth center. And they're like, no, no, we paid Deshaun's. It says Deshaun and that's what we paid. You know, so they, they like to make things um, not in your favor. So if you had Deshaun's birth center and then, you you know, um, your provider group was whatever, like having two separate names is a good idea. So I just okay. want to, I want you so to start thinking about two that. separate providers in that birth center or? No, no, no. So like, so for me, like eventually I want to open up a birth center in Alpine, Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll have the birth center of Alpine. Okay. And then the providers will be Preggers can be choosers. Okay. So two very different names, right? Okay. So then you can pay the facility fee. So Alpine birth center, birth center of Alpine would get the facility fee and then Preggers would get paid the provider fee. And there's no okay. ambiguity in between it. You know what I mean? Okay. That makes so more sense. The okay. other thing that I learned is that you can set up the birth center to be a not-for-profit and then your providers can be for-profit. Okay. And there's some advantages to that. And, you know, some of that has to do with taxes and stuff. And that's also well done, well explained in that birth center workshop. But just because one is for profit doesn't mean they both have to be for profit. Right. That's funny because I was actually going to ask you a question about taxes and stuff like that. But I mean, I guess that's something that can just be answered, you know, down the line when I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I want to take this workshop to open up a birth center. Also, I just want to kind of um, correct myself because I said something really dumb when I was saying, um, I was saying, you know, um, you have to work under her. Well, anyone can be a midwife. So I shouldn't have said her. I should have said them. So yeah, you guys can curse okay. me out. Sorry. Um, anyways, <laughs> you're, perfect. you're perfect and you're doing great. Right. Cause we yeah. have an agreement that when we um, make a mistake, we're just like, Oh, that wasn't great. But, you know, apologize yeah. and keep moving. So um, I'm I appreciate you hearing that. No, and, you know, I'm trying to. So we're just trying together here. Okay. So one thing I want you to know, though, is um, some people have, dis- you know, like it's an 80-page application to get in with different Medicaids. So that's in the state of Texas. So Medicaid does not make it easy for you to take Medicaid. Okay. Which is why some of the other birth centers in town, they'll only have one or two Medicaid um, patients a month but they're not really billing Medicaid. They're just like doing it pro bono and not telling the Medicaid person that this is what's happening. Mm. So I know of two birth centers who do it that way. 
another birth center, not the one that I work at, um, she has her, her facility fee is, is, you know, Medicaid will pay the birth center, but it won't mm -hmm. pay the provider. So then you, the person who's birthing pays the provider fee and then they bill the birth center fee, gets the facility fee. So that actually is covered by Medicaid. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So here's an here's another issue I have. Okay. Besides, I was actually right. that was another that was another thing I was going to bring up is the ridiculously long um, application. Um, well, I read an article not too long ago about like basically midwives having to like chase Medicaid to get their payment. I'm not sure if that's still a thing. I read this like months ago, so I'm not really sure if that's still a thing. But I mean, I can it only that is only going to contribute to a burnout or like somebody saying, I just can't do Medicaid or whatever, mm -hmm. because I can't keep chasing you and then you don't pay me. Um, I'm, so I'm the not, person that I worked at almost went under because of that reason. Like okay. birth, the, one of the Medicaid stopped paying and it was a tune of a couple million dollars. And the person are almost went under and it was just like they decided that there was like something that was wrong that we had done or the, that Northeast did had done to not get their billing right. And they went around and around and around and then finally they realized it was their mistake and then back paid money that they'd been withholding for like, I don't know, nine months or a year. And it almost mm -hmm. sank the, the birth center. So this is happens quite a bit. It does. And I wanted to oh. lap back around mm -hmm. to the CNM question real quick. You don't mm -hmm. have to be a CNM, but if um, having you know, when you set up agreements with Medicaid, having a CNM that works at your birth center so you can set stuff up under the CNM rate mm -hmm. of um, re reimbursement, because it's higher for a CNM than it is right. a CPM. So you want to set all your agreements up initially with a CNM. Like, so, you know, you can be a CM CPM and own a birth center, just hire a CNM. Okay. You know? Because you don't have to, like, this is, you know, do you know Cleo? You know Cleopatra, right? Yeah. Cleopatra? Yeah. So that's one thing we talk about. It's like, dude, you don't have to be the person. You can be the owner, and you don't have to be a midwife. You can be, like, just a, um, you can be just a, a community member. Like, there's doulas who own, own birth centers. There's photographers. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. One person wanted a birth center birth, and there was no birth center, so she opened one and hired midwives and the so just think about that because i told cleo i was like you don't have to be a midwife and then where she's going you do have to be a midwife so for texas yeah, though you don't you don't so you can you know you can be like because think about like you know there's a provider just because i'm a great midwife doesn't mean that i'm a great um birth center manager like just because mm -hmm. i'm a doctor doesn't mean i can run a hospital so mm -hmm. there's different layers of everybody so people like i have a friend jessica gonzalez who wants to go off call. She hates being on call. It's not for her. I understand. I was like, so just run the birth center. You know, be the mm -hmm. admin person, be the doula that can hop in at the last minute if we need it. But somebody who understands birth very well and has a head for business is a great candidate for owning a birth center because owning a birth center is an entrepreneurial effort. Right. <clears throat> and every midwife is not, just like you were saying, every midwife is not like, just because I'm a midwife doesn't mean I'm like, I'm like this great business person. I'm like, I'm not a business person. Like, I, I just want to do births. I want to help people have their kids, whatever. Like, I don't want to own a whole business kind of thing. So, okay. Now, my question, just kind of tracing back to the Medicaid thing. Mm -hmm. how, can, how can we as midwives and future midwives or just people in the birth community, period? And I, and I guess also, like, clients, future clients, past clients, hold Medicaid um, accountable for paying, um, 
I don't want to say paying what's fair because I have my own issues with that, that I'm probably going to ask you in a minute, but paying when, it, when it's due, like, you know, so that I'm not chasing my money. I mean, is it even possible to make some kind of bill or like a law saying, hey, you know, we shouldn't do this or there should be some kind of um, period or, or something, some kind of accountability so that this doesn't happen? Okay. So, um, well, the squeaky wheel always gets the grease, right? So the more you bitch, the more stuff happens, right? But mm -hmm. um, AABC um, has a research arm, okay? So that's, this is why it's good to belong to these organizations like MANA or, you know, like whatever. See, um, mm -hmm. What is it? NACPM? You know, some of these different organizations that do mm -hmm. research. Well, AABC um, has a research study that showed money invested into birth centers, how much money is saved for Medicaid. Medicaid? Yeah, Medicaid. It showed, are we saying, yeah, we've been saying Medicaid this whole time, right now, Medicare. I yeah, get those Medicaid. Okay. Like, I know which one I'm supposed to be talking about, but yeah. so AABC did a fabulous study, and I'm always like, so does people, do people at Medicaid don't have a calculator because they can't see for every, you know, $10,000 they're investing in a birth center that they're saving millions of dollars in unnecessary mm -hmm. surgical births and medical waste? So I think every time you go to like, um, you know, as a midwife, when you're setting up your agreements, you always like send us these studies also. Because so, typically you'll have one person that like helps you get your, your, it's like setting up a contract, a Medicaid contract. So mm -hmm. you, you know, make sure you send these research things and like, just keep, you know, developing the best relationship you can with them. And then no, after 15 minutes, after having a really good relationship with them, they're going to get hired or fired or, you know, get a different job or something, you know? So mm -hmm. you're always going to be advocating, but that's one of the things is, is utilizing these research studies that show what a good investment birth centers are. Okay, right. Um, and you as the consumer, when you want, you know, because you can see who's getting paid and who's not, you can call and bitch and say, like, you know, my provider needs to get paid. So when the consumer is, you know, a squeaky wheel, too, that helps. Right. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's a good point. So, okay, a second thing is, how do you, how do you personally feel about the payout for Medicaid providers, like Medicaid midwifery providers? Well, um, I'm real clear that if I spend every time, all the energy I'm putting into being a, you know, a birth center midwife, if I put that mm -hmm. into being a home birth midwife, I'd be in six figures right now. Mm. At one year out, because it's almost a year since I got my license, I'd be in mm -hmm. six figures. But instead, you know, like I'm not, not even remotely right. close to that. And the birth center that I was working at was, um, you know, went down quite a bit in volume and it's slowly picking back up. Um, and I have to do things that I would never, ever consider doing otherwise. Like one of the things I'm doing is going to pregnancy crisis centers, um, which are the places that pretend like they're Planned Parenthood and like try and convince people not to, you know, abort their babies mm -hmm. and like give you all this misinformation and like, you know, like it's all calculated to um, confuse somebody who's not used to birth, you know. Um, and so I'm going into these places saying, hi, I work at this birth center. And, you know, if you've got people who on Medicaid and need to have a baby and, you know, who want to have a baby and would, you know, if they consider a midwife, I'm here to take care of them. And part of me feels like I'm sticking my hand in a fan doing that, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm very pro, you know, whatever you want to do, like I'm here mm -hmm. to just support. But if somebody's already pregnant and they've um, been, you know, kind of either coerced into staying pregnant or they're too late to terminate and, you know, I'm not going to leave them hanging. So Sometimes I find myself like, oh shit, what's going on? Do I even know myself anymore by going to these places? But what I'm clear is that I'm trying to get services to the people. 
Right. You know? Okay. So, so yeah, could I be making a lot more money? Oh, yeah. Being a home birth midwife or working at a birth center and, like, fucking making, oh, sorry, there's my mouth, like, just making so much cash? Right. Yes. Yes, of course I could. But that's not, that's not what I'm here. That's not who I'm here to serve. Right. Right. Okay. Well, my struggle with that is like, okay, at first, like a few days ago, I was like, man, when I was figuring out like the payout, I was like, man, that's like nothing. Like say my, say I'm a, say my, say I have a birthing center and like my charge is like 5,000 or something Mm -hmm. like that. Well, you know, Medicaid is going to pay me like what, a thousand dollars, like 1400 if that or something like that well um okay that i'm gonna have to chase but then i'm like okay maybe we should like go to medicaid or go to some write some bills saying hey we need to get paid more but then i went deeper and i'm like i can't even do that because i'm looking online and it's saying like well that's like 90 i don't remember if it was 90 percent because i was looking at other states too but i think in texas it's like 90 percent or 92 percent of what uh, like a traditional provider, aka like an OB or whatever, it's 92% or 90% of what they get paid for Medicaid. So I can't ask Medicaid to pay me more or the same as someone who works in a hospital because, I mean, I how can I do that? You know what I mean? And then I'm reading on the website and it's like this um, this letter, this very well-written professional letter. I wish I would like screenshot it so I can like um, read it right now. But in a professional way, it was basically saying stop coming to Medicaid with these issues. Like, don't ask us for, don't ask us to keep helping you with this home birth, this, um, this birthing center stuff, because we already pay for like over half of all the births in America and all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, like, what do you do? Like, you know what? We're going to show up anyway. We're going to show up anyway. And we're going to show them the research where you want to be helping us because we're ultimately saving you millions of dollars and you need to be paying your midwives you know, and we're saving you millions of dollars, not because you're paying midwives less, but because we keep low risk birth for the most part. Right. Low risk. Okay. So, so we're going to show up anyway. And I call that hope punk and I didn't come up with that, but that's kind of like, did you ever see that movie Tank Girl? No. Uh, okay. Well, you might want to see it. And it's probably the same age that you are, but Tank Girl, we're just going to show up anyway to Sean and we're going to keep hassling them. And we're going to show them this research and we're going to be like, get your shit together. And the other thing is when you come up with your, your birth center, like things that you can be doing right now as a student midwife is tracking all your um, lactation hours so that when you have a birth center, you can offer, because Medicaid will pay for, you know, nursing support and breastfeeding support. You can have groups. You can also set up your birth center so that, you know, classes are taught there so that you'll have like, you know, how many different ways, how many revenue streams can you pull into your birth center? How many different problems can you solve with one solution? Mm-hmm. And that's what birth centers do. They create community. They're, you know, places for you to have your classes. There are people, there are places for people to connect. It's places where, um, especially people of color can mm-hmm. see each other, that it's not just for white people having home births, you know, like there's right. all these different things. So that even like, you know, reduces the stigma of um, trauma and birth. So there's all these different ways that you look to monetize your birth center, right? Okay. Like, like right. one of the things I'm doing, like even with us talking about this right now and me putting this out on YouTube is that I want this to be available to as many people as possible and I need the views and I need to monetize, right? So I'm like long range planning my birth center right now and right. And because I think you're uniquely situated because, you know, no matter what, except for with my queer people, you know, people are going to read me as like colonialism or white savior or whatever, 
you know, and part of my thing right now, right, is because I'm gay and I want people to, um, who are also queer to have like a, a queer, queer friendly provider. So, um, and I think you being beautiful and black and well-spoken, like that's a way for you to serve your community, you know? So, Ryan, one thing I wanted to say too, is that, um, you know, the JJ way, have we talked about that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, we did. When um, I first asked you about all this, yeah. So for prenatal care, you know, for the JJ way, I think prenatal visits are maybe you get paid 10 bucks a visit or something really terrible. Um, mm -hmm. But you know what, if I can do a 15 minute prenatal visit and get paid 10 bucks, I'm down. I'm down. Right. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't have to be an hour. Like, especially if you're serving so many people, at least you're not like, at least they're not walking into the OB's office and it's like, here, let me take your vitals okay go home like yeah. I'm not interested. you know you can still have I guess you could if you're a community person and you're a person that really wants to serve then you know whether you have an hour or 20 minutes I think you could you could make it work for sure right and so think about this too like when some folks are on Medicaid they don't have time to hang out for an hour talking to their midwife they got to go back to work they got to catch the bus they got to do whatever so with Jenny Joseph, what she's taught me and also what we do at the birth center is like we have a medical assistant who takes your, who does your labs, who does your blood pressure, who, you know, talks to you about that. And then I see them more like a doctor, you know, I get a chart and I walk in and I mm -hmm. talk to them and um, I talk about things that I need to talk about, but it's a much quicker visit. It's maybe 15, 20 minutes and I take longer than I'm supposed to. Like I hear, you know, they're at the door, like hassling me. So um, it doesn't have to be that long and also in the medicaid model you know kind of in the model that we're used to seeing with the home birth you're kind of like best friends with your midwife you know like it's a mm -hmm. real intimate thing and it's not quite that intimate with my at the birth center patients mm -hmm. they know that i they advocate for them they know that i'm down the first thing i always ask is what do you need to know about me so you can feel comfortable with me as your provider but the birth center is selling the midwifery model of care and not that your midwife is your best friend and sometimes that gets confusing for people because like one person said, well, you're not sitting in the room, you're not sitting in the room hanging out with me. And I'm like, no, cause I've got, you know, charts that I'm doing. It's more like, a, um, it's a little bit more medicalized. Right. But that's mm -hmm. what I've got to do to get money in the door. Cause I can't sit with you for 12 hours. Cause I've got three more people coming in and I'm trying to do all this. So I'm offering you the midwifery model of care, but I'm not your, I'm not your grandma sitting in the corner, like some midwives right. are, you know, it, right. and that, and that does get confusing for people sometimes especially when doulas are and they're like god you're so cold you're so whatever you're not in here you're not you know doing i'm like it's a different model of care and mm -hmm. i'm so sorry but i can't make up the difference in what medicaid doesn't pay me by being your best friend for you and the other you know 50 women i'm trying to serve in the next six weeks right it's like you have you it's a di i was going to say you have to kind of meet halfway but like you said it's just it just seems like it has to be a different model and um that's okay. It's okay because it's not like, look, I'm a person that's very biased to hospitals, of course. Like, okay, yeah, hospitals are there. Like, you know, okay, people need them. Um, but just my experiences, I mean, have just kind of sucked. So like, you know, I don't care for hospitals. So the hospital standard of care, like their, their model, um, I feel like even with the, the Medicaid model in a, in a birth center, I, I just feel like it's still way or 10 times better um, than me walking to the hospital for, you know, my OB appointment um, every month or whatever. So, um, well, at the birth center, let me just throw this out too. At the birth center, we're a little bit more hands off, you know, like, 
we're not like rushing up on you all the time you know mm -hmm. it's like you're here you're laboring you got this if something goes sideways we're here to help but mostly right. we're like hands off and letting you do the thing and you know you're not supposed to come to the birth center until you're in active labor at six centimeters which is a little mm -hmm. bit different from you know like you know that good active labor which is different from also from home birth so um you know like it, it's more I don't know. You would never be pissed at your doctor for not sitting in there while you're laboring for 12 hours. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just wanted to say that yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's different. So someone shouldn't go into it thinking it's going to be like, oh, my home birth midwife that I'm paying out of pocket type of thing. Um, right. I think that's where confusion sh should should end. I mean, I feel like yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's a bummer. You know, it's a bummer. Right. I wish that you know, if I was getting paid six grand a birth. I'd be like hanging out, what up, you know? Yeah. And, but it's not. I'm getting paid a thousand. Right. In order to keep this birth center open for the people who come behind you, I've got to be, you know, I've got a good, um, what, like, you know, good, succinct care. Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm tender and I'm loving, you know, like I'm still mm -hmm. me. But mm -hmm. I've also got like all this paperwork I've got to make sure is right. Otherwise, Medicaid's mm -hmm. looking for a reason not to pay me. And then I've got to do these other things. And I'm assessing three other people because it's Medicaid, like one time, I don't think I told you this, that somebody was like, having, I think like a kidney problem and they came in and I was like, let me just check you. I was like, okay, this happened, it keeps happening. Like, let me run your labs, but I think you need to go to the ER. And they went to the ER and they were so shitty to them because they were on Medicaid and they were black. And I was like, come back, come back. You know, I can do better than what's happening here, you know? So I'm doing that. Somebody else got hit by a bus downtown. Somebody else is miscarrying. Oh, you're in labor. Okay, I got to run in and throw my gloves on, make sure, you know, we have this baby. I was worried about her because her tailbone was crooked up like this. So I mm -hmm. delivered the baby on the oblique, got the baby, you know, and she's like holding that sweet baby and stuff. And it was so sweet and tender. And she had a daughter mm -hmm. who was autistic. I was like, so then we cut the cord after stops pulse thing. We don't do a lot of delayed cord clamping, like, you know, like four or five minutes. Um, but then we get them out of the tub. So it's a little bit more faster than at a home birth. Mm -hmm. And um, so I told the dad, get your shirt off so I can hand you the baby skin to skin. And I turned around and his seven-year-old autistic daughter had taken her shirt off too in solidarity. Mm -hmm. And they were like, so like, oh my God. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> then I get them done. I did a little senna. You know, her vitals are good. This is taking me 45 minutes. Okay. Then the assistant is there hanging out with them, making sure that everything stays good while I run down the hallway here. This woman who's throwing up with pain and this other person who's missing, you know, it's like that. So this is what I've got going on. Yeah. And so I can't be in there with you every like minute or whatever. So right. but still being right. tender and sweet and having a, a positive birth experience, right. and a safe and good birth experience, but not the like, you know, there's no herbal right. bath here. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you, you still have to make a living. Like you can't just be, be a midwife for free. Like, I mean, as much as I'm sure people will love to do that, but um, yeah, that's how you get burnout and it's just not feasible. Like, would you just, would you just go be a cop for free? Like, just because you want to serve your community, quote unquote? Like, no. If you, I, I want definitely, to I definitely know midwives who don't get paid. Mm, yeah. Who, and, and that's where you see, like, midwives who say, like, this is my service or my mission or whatever. Mm -hmm. People have husbands who can pay for them. Okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. I, we have them. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, I mean, technically now, like, my husband is, like, our sole, like, you know, you know, provider like I have like a little extra money coming in from like you know doing stuff like I sell herbs and see stuff like that um but yeah I mean we are going to be kind of like when I when I become a midwife um we are going to be looking forward to like that income like I can't just be 
being away from my family, my kids and stuff like that, and then like not being paid. Like Right. Right, because then the provider is carrying the weight for what Medicaid and insurance isn't paying. So like I'm paying with my work for you to have a baby. Right. And that's not right. fair to me. You know. Right. That's another point I wanted to ask. So considering the their payout, you know, it was like a thousand or a little bit over a thousand, is is there times like okay, um, let me see how I can structure this question. Do you end up almost feeling like you're doing it during this birth or this prenatal care and birth for free, breaking even, or maybe just making okay, like I made a little bit of money or does it end up kind of being like, okay, I didn't really make much or I didn't make anything or I just ended up covering my expenses for the equipment that I had to use and stuff like that. Do you understand the question I'm trying to ask? Yeah. I think a lot of times I feel like I just made, you know, a few dollars over what it cost. And I never feel like I'm getting paid what I'm worth. Okay. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, like when I think about um, different people who had birth experiences where, um, I know having a midwife who cared about them and who had a skill set kept them from having a terrible traumatic birth or a terrible postpartum. Like I never got paid what I'm worth, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so this is where I'm just acting in service. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. And that's, and, and that is, you know, so then I go back to, okay, you know, do we show up and show out and say Medicaid, like pay us more? Like, yeah, we do. we do. Yeah, we do. So like when you think about your trajectory for becoming a midwife, what you can do is, you know, still have some of your own private patients or if you work in a birth center, like because the birth center, Medicaid birth centers do well with volume. That's the deal mm-hmm. there. It's the volume that keeps us open. But if you want to be a private midwife who has a private practice and you just work at a birth center, you take one shift a weekend or something, you know, or like one weekend shift, you know, or you're a backup or whatever. Because for me, like the the tension point is that I work at the birth center so much is that I can't take a lot of private patients. Mm -hmm. So when I work at the birth center, like one of the deals is if I'm at the birth center and I'm already working and you go into labor, you have to come to the birth center. Like Mm -hmm. even if we have it all set up for a home birth, like we got to do a birth center birth. And I'm sorry, but if I'm working, you know, and that's part of the deal. And I had a patient that that would not have worked for because she had a, a, a poor experience at the birth center. And so she's like, I can't go there. And I'm like, I totally get it. And it was so tense for me, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody who hires me now, who's like, you're my girl, then I'm like, okay, I want to be your home birth midwife, but if whatever happens, right? And right. then I've also had people who wanted to hire me, but like, you know, I don't take insurance, you know, for a private mm-hmm. birth. And then, um, so they'll go to the birth center. And then they'll say, well, I really want you to be my midwife. And I was like, well, hopefully I can be. But when you go to North Houston, you're purchasing the birth center model of care. And so mm-hmm. it's either going to be me or Kathy, you know, and if, mm-hmm. if I can come, I will. But if it's Kathy's weekend and I'm busy doing something, then I can't. Right. Right. Okay. Um, let me see what other questions I have. Okay. Um, and we kind of pretty much talked about this, but what laws slash bills slash regulations would you change, if any? I mean, of course, the payout and I'm assuming how soon they pay you and probably the huge, uh, all the paperwork on getting it, what else would you change in like this Medicaid um, model when it comes to um, birthing centers or just minimum free care in, in general? One thing that I think is a big problem, like, you know, like 
well, first of all, I'd like for them to get a freaking calculator. Do the math, people. Mm -hmm. They should be like promoting midwifery on every corner because mm -hmm. midwifery is what's up, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to have a baby in the hospital, have one. But even if midwives did all the prenatal care and then had your baby in the hospital, that's fine, you mm -hmm. know? But like midwives really, you know, are what's up. So pay your midwives. Pay your midwives mm -hmm. Medicaid. Do your math. But mm -hmm. the other thing is there's something called the Lactation Foundation. Do you know about that? No. I write Lactation down. Foundation, I think, like, you can get WIC if you're pregnant. It doesn't matter if you're, like, you know, um, Joel Olstein's wife or if you're, you know, like, homeless. It doesn't matter. You can get WIC. And then with WIC, you can get the Lactation Foundation, which you can show up at the Lactation Foundation anyway. They're not going to turn your way. But it's breastfeeding help. And so I oh. wish that more people knew about the Lactation Foundation and WIC, that everybody used that. Like, right. like and, and that's a service like, you know, it's Medicaid, I think. I think that, you know, that's how it's affiliated. But I, feel, I wish that for the cool services that Medicaid had, that more people knew about it. Because right. if you want to breastfeed your baby for, you know, six minutes, six weeks, or six months, or six years, I don't care. Um, mm -hmm. But that, you know, for those people who want to do that, that's a huge resource as opposed to having an IBCLC come out. Maybe you can't afford that. Or maybe you don't mm -hmm. feel comfortable having somebody in your home. Right. And if you qualify for um, if you qualify for Medicaid, then because I, I applied for WIC, uh, but if you qualify for Medicaid, then you automatically um, are, like you automatically get WIC or something like that. Like you don't have to go through all these loops and holes and stuff like that. Oh, okay. that's what I would like. Also, I would like mm -hmm. at my birth center to have somebody who files people for WIC for people. Okay. You know? or, or for WIC and Medicaid, like I would like a designated rep to come in and like you know, fast track people so they could get their Medicaid because I could get people in the door quicker to get their primary prenatal visits going so I could get, you know, good prenatal care in that good first trimester. Okay. And would you have to, you, would you personally have to pay that person or how, how would that work with you bringing I someone would, to? I would happily pay an admin person to do that mm -hmm. stuff because okay. the faster I could get people in getting their WIC and stuff, then the faster I could get you know, um, more payment, more, it's like authorized, like it would, it would streamline a lot of stuff. So yeah, mm -hmm. I could pay somebody, you know, like if they're, if I had a front desk first and then, you know, I paid them for two hours of their day was like WIC related stuff and with patients. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would totally do that. Because, okay. You know, the end is going to justify the means, you know, like how I'm doing it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I asked you about, you know, do you feel like you're breaking even, um, should they pay out more? Of course. Um, I don't really, I don't really touch up on tax stuff, but th that's just because I feel like that's kind of further down the line. And that's something that I can kind of learn through like when that time comes through going to a workshop, like the ABC. But just consider, thing. yeah, just consider one thing I had thought about was like, if my birth center was for profit, mm -hmm. would anybody come and like help out, you know, like, would they help me like, you know, wash the mini blinds or, you know, like whatever, get new toys mm -hmm. or whatever. And what I found is that when you become a midwife, people show up to help you no matter what. Okay. People, like, you know, when I was going to school, you know, one of my friends, she still does this. She like pays for my pedicures every three weeks. We go to lunch and pedicures at least once a month. So like, she's cha like, that's her job is to take care of my toes. <laughs> and then one of my other friends paid for my YMCA membership for a year while I was a student. So that's good. Now, yeah, and so now that, great to have that community, and that keeps right. you sustainable too. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And these are people who had the money to do it, right? And they mm -hmm. weren't especially interested in having more babies. 
but I noticed now that I'm setting up um, like an office here, Stephanie Anderson comes and like, okay, what are we doing this week? You know, I'm like, okay, well, okay. that's how we put these lights up in this bookshelf. And so just being for profit or not for profit, um, people are going to show up and want to help anyway. And so have, one of the ideas of having a bursar that's not for profit, but having workshop spaces and stuff like that, you're, like, right. you can get grants and stuff like that. Oh, okay, cool. Community improvement stuff. And, okay. You know, like and all of that would kind of go, th be thrown into keeping your, um, your breaking center sustainable. Like, how do you keep it sustainable without almost running, letting it run your life? Like, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to put all these things into it, it seems like, of course. Um, uh, but you kind of have to do that to keep it sustainable. So you're not always like, like trying to play catch up with bills and stuff like that. I'm building, I'm building in, when you design your birth center, building in community space, community, like building in a classroom so you can have that movement space and, you know, in a calendar and then building in, like, say that there's a midwife who doesn't want to deliver at your birth center, but wants to maybe have a home, an office, not in her house, having an extra mm -hmm. office so that you can kind of like a surgery oh, center. Nice. Like, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Blythe wanted to go take a workshop at a place that had a psychologist and um, a psychologist and like a chiropractor. So you can have adjunct allied health people. At North Houston, they have one of those people who do those um, sex reveal ultrasound things. She's there mm -hmm. one day a week, you know, so you can put other offices in there for, you know, like-minded folks like an IBCLC. You can mm -hmm. do all sorts of stuff. Okay. And then in, in doing that, would that just kind of like maybe put your um, put your birth center out like so that more people know about it, or or would that also help bring in like income as far as well? I guess it wouldn't help bring in income as far as like oh I can bill Medicaid for this because that person yeah that doesn't make any sense. But I guess it just puts more um, word of mouth to hey we're meeting at the birth center or yeah I do my work at the birth center. Mm -hmm. um, and I have like. Quite a I have quite a few ideas of things that I like I envision my birth center even though I feel like it's probably so far from now because I'm just I'm just now starting like you know with my midwifery and stuff like that my student midwifery um but I have like a few ideas like of things that I want at my birth center and like things that I want to happen at my birth center like as far as like um community care and like um Hell, even like vaginal steaming, like I know for sure, like I want to do that. Like I have so much stuff that I, I envision on keeping my birthing center sustainable. And I, um, I, I think I learned this at MANA that it seems like people are having issues with sustainability because they're not really like getting up and going out into the community. Like you can't just expect to like stay here and not do anything. Like you have to like go out and reach these people. Like you can't just stay there and be like, well, I don't know why anyone, no one's coming to me. Like, okay, well, what do you offer? Like, what are you going out and doing? Are you bringing anyone there? Like uh, get people together and like go pick up trash or something like that. I mean, um, those are just my little small inputs, but, um, well, and the more you, like, think about having different providers come through your, you know, like, renting space from you, then all of their patients, right, come in and they're like, oh, what do you do here, you know? Oh, what mm -hmm. is this, you know, what is this going on? So right. that's good. And then you can, like, if you had a, um, an IBCLC, then you could bill Medicaid for that. You could, oh. have a breast, you could have a breastfeeding postpartum group, you know, oh. like, you can do things like that. So there are ways to, like, kind of 
diversify and and also you're making your place a safe space right you know like mm -hmm. what jenny joseph calls them a safe space or a um i think that's it it's called a safe space or a hot spot or something like that but anyway you a designated place like that so then people know that your birth center is kind of one of the places that advocates and supports and and then you become an expert in your community right, right. or your place is knows that you know who, who works there is as being endorsed or has like kind of a social endorsement of being an expert in the community okay okay cool yeah i'm excited i'm excited for you because i'm pretty sure yours is going to come up way before mine so that's going to be pretty cool to see um your birth center when when that when all this when all this happens and um, you know the way to get good at opening a birth center is to work at birth centers like when okay. i was at aabc like they're like how many of you have never been in a birth center and at aabc a lot of the folks were from the frontier midwifery program which is a nurse practitioner midwifery program and so a lot of those folks had never been to an out-of-hospital birth so then they're like um you know who's been to a birth center like you know maybe half the group you know raise their hand and how many people have worked at a birth center and then you know like i don't know 10 and then how many people worked at more than one birth center and then it was me and then you know then and they're like well how many births have you worked at her and i was like oh well i've worked at bay area and then i've worked at um birth center of beaumont and then i work at north houston birth center and then i helped deliver at um west um west uh, houston birth center and then um jackie's midwife in the heights and then, um, oh, and then I helped Afua have, you know, at the birthing place. So that's six okay. places that mm -hmm. I've delivered babies at, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, go me, go me, <laughs> you know? So, um, and I wouldn't have known that North Houston Birth Center was a good fit for me if I hadn't like done it as a, as a student, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. maybe that's part of your thing is like, okay, I'm gonna get my license and then I'm gonna work at a birth center for some, you know, I'm going to find a birth center to hire me for my first year so that I can get mm -hmm. a good experience and see how all that goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm really, I really am. I'm excited. Um, okay. I think that's all the, oh, I just have, okay. One extra, one last question. The process of getting paid. Okay. We kind of talked about, you said, mentioned something about getting paid for each visit. Okay. Say I have a client that transfers. Okay, so is Medicaid on, is on Medicaid only going to pay me what like one like the um that one fee and then pay the hospital the other fee or would Medicaid not pay me at all or how would that work? Well, a lot of times they do Friends do just that thing. just not to come for their birth and just use me only for prenatal and then just didn't show up for birth and then how 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 would that go? Yeah, yeah. So um, there is, like, if you don't deliver, I think they don't pay the full um, fee for the facility fee. But if you can say that, you know, they were here for X amount of hours, mm -hmm. then you do get paid. That's a very small payment. But I think we should encourage people to use midwives for just their prenatal care and their postpartum care and then have their baby in the hospital. As long as we know that up front, it's not a bait and switch. That's mm -hmm. okay. Because if you do your numbers and you're like, okay, let's say that I'm actively seeing, um, let's say that I've got like um, 40 people due in the month of December, okay? But I know that half of those are just going to deliver in hospital and half of those are pl planning to come to the birth center, that I'm not putting that in my budget for that $20,000. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just know that I'm doing it as part of the prenatal care. That's fine. I make sure that they have access to their records. I make, there's something called Jenny Joseph made called a passport that has their GBS status, you know, that has their um, blood pressures, it has, you know, all their kind of labs and stuff. And they take that in with them 
when they go into the hospital and that has all their pertinent info and then we can you know fax their records over and we know that they're getting they're still we're still affecting the maternal morbidity and mortality rate without delivering their baby and that's fine because we're going to help right and so and then that's like you know maybe it's only an extra $700 that I made from that patient, or maybe it's like last well, $500 or something, I'm doing all their prenatals and some of their labs and stuff and their postpartum, but that's okay. I'll take it. I'll take mm-hmm. it. And at least, you know, like I did, I was part of the service and I'm part of helping um, that family and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So I think right. as long as we know ahead of time, or maybe somebody wants to birth unassisted. Okay. That's fine. Let me, you know, make sure that you've gotten good prenatal care for me. And we were able to build Medicaid and do your labs and Medicaid and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as we don't feel bitter because like we were dependent on that money, we knew all along that they were going to deliver with us. We were just doing mm-hmm. their care. That's fine. You know, like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I think, yeah, that's all the questions that I have written down here on. So. All right. I think my biggest advice to you, babe, is just start thinking all the different ways that you can bring revenue to your birth center and mm-hmm. how many problems can you solve with one solution? Okay. Because that's when the money is made. When you have an innovative solution to a lot of different problems and Mm -hmm. it's one solution, you know, the solution is I'm creating a safe space. I'm creating this. I'm, you know, like your solution, how many problems is your solution solving? Right. Okay. All right. Thanks, Ron. I think what I'm actually going to get off this call, I think what I'm going to do is, of course, like write down everything that I envision in my birth center, but envision all these solutions or all these things I can put under like one solution. You know what I'm saying? How can my birth center fix all these things? Um, And then you know what kind of people to pull to you, right? Right. Kind of solution-based person, you know, like these are the people. And when you find an older midwife that doesn't want to get up anymore in the middle of the night, but you know, she knows all the ins and outs and she's a Virgo and she's uptight as shit about money. That's your girl. (laughs) That's who you want to manage your birth center, you know? Okay. You know, like, then this is where we see people who don't want to be in the provider role anymore, but have lots of information or background. Mm -hmm. And where's that CNM that you can, like for me with Kathy, like I'm going to start doing a lot more of the heavy lifting for her. You know, she's 72 years old, Mm -hmm. but I still want her to like look over my charts, you know, whatever. And and there's a good synergy there and we get along well. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's good that you're documenting everything. Make your list, document all your stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah thanks Rowan you're awesome and that's it for us for right now I did want to say that I'm so appreciative of these dialogues that I have with Deshaun because learning and talking with her helps me integrate it in a way that I can teach and support her and help grow her ideas and also grow my own self and my own ideas I have a commitment that every midwife that wants to become a midwife, every person who wants to become a midwife, I'm here to help. So that's why I'm documenting these conversations with Deshaun and sharing them with the general public who maybe are thinking, oh, do I want to be a midwife? Do I want to be a birth center owner? How does Medicaid reimbursement work? All these types of questions. If you've enjoyed the content today, please consider becoming a subscriber and supporting us at 99 cents a month. That's super helpful and helps us keep the wheels on the road. Thanks again for listening, and whatever I can do to help you, you just let me know. Thank you. Oh, thank you.